Welcome to Perfect Bound. I'm Jennifer Yaffe, the founder and publisher of Yaffe Press in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their journey, how they got where they are, what right and wrong turns they made along the way, and where they're heading next. Calling his approach a little bit messy and experimental, Matthew Brandt produces large-scale photographs through labor-intensive processes recalling the 19th century origins of photography, often incorporating the physical matter of the subject itself. Attuned to the history of his medium and its resolute physicality, and inspired by classical American landscape photographs, Brandt traverses the West, photographing and collecting material samples from nature and cities. The reciprocal relationships that Brandt creates between his subjects and the materials used to represent them are always conceptually grounded, often in response to social and environmental issues. He's deeply inquisitive, even fearless, in his exploration of subjects, materials, and processes, reinvigorating the medium of photography with a sense of wonder. Through his work, Brandt poses a fundamental question about his magical-seeming medium, what is a photograph? He received his BFA from Cooper Union in 2004 and MFA from UCLA in 2008. Brand has been the subject of several institutional, solo, and group shows and is in the permanent collections of many important museums and private collections. He lives and works in Los Angeles. Please welcome Matthew Brandt to the Perfect Bound podcast. So basic question, but something that I'm super curious about. How do you come up with your ideas? Like, does the material come first or the subject or do they come together? Uh, I mean, it really sort of depends. Sometimes it is just, I have a nice photo. Sometimes it's like, I just hear about something on the radio and I'm kind of curious about it. And sometimes I just see an interesting, um, like I I see it uh, like a stain or something. And wondering how that may how that was made, and I think it, it I, I'm trying I try not to keep it too locked in in terms of it has to be this mytho- methodology. Like it's only when I take a good photo and I mm-hmm. need to attach it to a material. But it really it, there's multi tentacles that I think an idea can be um, started from, and a lot of the times it really just depends on whatever. And I try to keep it as open and elusive as possible. Um, like I even still now have tons of images of, I mean, just as an example, I've been taking photos of like cars with astronomical names, just because okay. it's kind of interesting that there's like old comets, right? Or, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting, I guess in maybe the sixties, they were, you know, interested in like space. And so they would just right. have all these interesting names to cars. And I just photographed these cars, like the galaxy and all this stuff. And, um, I still don't have any way to represent it and, but I'm still continuing to take these pictures. I'm like, it's just interesting. And I don't know what's going to come of it, but um, mm-hmm. maybe it'll work itself out. But, um, and as another example, I just have like in my studio, I'm, I'm learning how calcium buildup is done, like with limestone. And I bought a bunch of lime, like calcium carbonate and, you know, kind of like in the showers drain. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably- yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, there's, there's like, yeah, calcium buildup. Um, and I just, I guess spending so much time at home, like, wow, what is all this white stuff? <laughs> so I've been learning about how to try to make that into images. And I have little waterfalls of calcium buildup on some test materials and just trying to see how that could 
potentially make an image. And I don't really have like an image or, or subject matter necessarily, but it's like that material that is interesting and just have some tests going off. So in the corner of my darkroom, I have a little waterfall thing with a bunch of lime in the water that's just, you know, slowly see what happens. Yeah. 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 Um, So in other words, I, you know, I try to keep it open. So it could be the image, like the comet cars, or it could be the material like the lime. And it's possible that neither of those meet each other's, you know, like the, the astrological, astrological or astronomical. Um, I guess it depends what your belief is, but yeah, <laughs> astronomical. But yeah, I like it. Astronomical cars might never. You might never like kind of realize that into a project if you can't find the right material, like um, ingredient type process that matches it. And same with the lime. Like if you don't find the right imagery that makes sense with it. So how many of those like kind of pieces do you have at any given time just kind of floating out there waiting to find their partner (laughs) i mean honestly there's there's a lot um and i try to keep um tending to those ideas you know Mm -hmm. part two is just trying to like throw some fertilizer on them and see what works and what doesn't um Mm -hmm. but i'd say there's I, i try to um for me that is just as important as like finishing certain works as well. So there's like tending the garden, you know, like, um, and I feel like I try to do as much of that as possible as well. Mm-hmm. Cause also it's like a numbers game, you know, just like throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and something's bound to stick kind of thing. Right. Um, I mean, maybe that's a certain erratic nature of the work too. Or like, Do you ever worry that you're going to run out of ideas? Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like now that maybe I'm a little bit older too, I feel bad that I'm like, sometimes feel like, oh, this was a good idea, but I came up with it like 10 years ago and I'm finally like realizing it because there's certain technical abilities that I have that I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. So some ideas come out like 10 years later um, and for whatever reason, they still linger. um, Mm -hmm. And I think those are some of the good ideas. Um, But at the same time too, I feel bad because it's like, oh, that's, really old ideas. I have no new ideas. I'm just (laughs) agitating old ones. But I think that's, I guess, to touch upon what we talked about earlier in terms of having a lot of different ideas and some match up and some don't and having Mm -hmm. different like potential seedlings. So it's just like another seedling and sometimes some sprout 10 years later, you know, and then some get really big, really fast in a day and then die off really quickly, you know? So I think it's, it's all like a very different set of um, parameters or time scale or whatever uh, in terms of making something. But like you said earlier, generally it is always how a um, subject or image relates to its material form. And sometimes they marry and sometimes they don't. Um, But I've been trying to build the confidence or the idea of just trying to do like, what about just straight photography? Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it, it always doesn't quite click. I, I try to do it, and then it's like, yeah, but wouldn't this be cool if this had some whatever <laughs> or something? Or, what if I burned it? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I like. I've been trying to make like normal inkjet prints, 
And then it ends up being like a project of photographs of like inkjet cartridges or something. <laughs> I can't like help myself, but try to relate back in the material and, and rather than fight it, I should just like embrace it. That's what I'm about. So right, right. that's to, you know, um, to, to stay true to the natural propensities of what I, you know, feel like doing, I guess. Yeah, don't fight it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the world wants it. <laughs> yeah. So you've made a lot of work in all different kinds of projects involving all kinds of materials. What project or body of work are you really proud of, even though it may not have had as much commercial success? So like the lakes and reservoirs are is, you know, the project you're most well known for. But you've done a ton of really cool things. Are there other ones that you're like? that was actually pretty badass and you know like I pat myself on the back for that idea uh yeah i mean there's i feel like there's a lot of work and it's hard to make that correlation with success um what what's successful you know sometimes success can be like commercial success like like right. cars or it's success of i feel very validated from making that work and proud of myself for doing that um, but I, I mean, there are certain success in terms of works that I did early on with, I was doing, making pictures of, um, like ashes, like with, mm-hmm. well, I had my, my, my aunt passed away. She's Buddhist. She was cremated and I had her ashes and I made some pictures out of that. Um, that for me, it was just very personal. And I also did it with my cat. You know, and, and these things that I would never sell and it's no one ever sees it. It's actually sitting here in my office. You know what I mean? Like, it's just personal things that for me, it's like very satisfying and for me, very successful because it's imbued with this very, um, I don't know, intense personal material. Right. And you've been able to kind of process a difficult thing in a very uniquely you way. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. Like you say, it, it's about processing certain emotions. And, and I think that um, I would hope that all the work that I make is about processing whatever state um, that one is in. And I think you can make an argument that all artists do that. You know, it's about processing a certain thing and this is circumstance and, you know, it's what you make it. And, and I think there's something I found myself that whenever, uh, you know, there's sort of hard times, you know, I find um, satisfaction or it helps to go in the studio and just work it out, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and for me, it's always been about, you know, work, you know, making things with your hands is a way to, or even thinking or whatever is a way to process emotions and digest it and get through it. And, you know, sometimes other people like it, sometimes they might not relate. I don't know, but I think that's kind of part of the whole, you know, over your, I guess you can Mm -hmm. So do you, in a different uh, angle, do you see your work as political or does it have an element of activism? Um, A lot of it seems to have kind of an environmental streak and I didn't know if that's intentional or if that just kind of happens given that you are focusing so much on the materials. I I mean, I do think it is um, a circumstance to the process and what we talked about earlier in terms of digesting and processing circumstance. Um, I think it's kind of inevitable for one to um, process the world around them. And like you said earlier, materials is environmental as much as you, you can't deny that. So 
it sort of seems natural that environmental concerns would tie into the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something that I like want to come out and say, oh, I'm just making this just to preserve the environment and stuff. It's more like just circumstantial. And I feel like, um, you know, there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, yeah, I'm totally all about this and that's why I'm doing it. And, you know, but I, I mean, I would lie to say that that was the main reason is I'm trying to like save the world really I'm just making things and this is a part of it. And um, I think it's, I mean, I'm happy to, you know, work with these materials and this is, and I'm happy to shine light on certain situations, you know, like, I don't know, there's a lot like melting icebergs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say I'm not, um, I I don't have a business card that says like environmentalist or anything like that. (laughs) Do Um, you have a business card at all though? (laughs) No, but I, I, But I just wouldn't know what to put on it, you know? I know. Um, or who to give it to. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's kind of charming a lot of the times when people ask for a business card. I end up just like ripping a piece of paper from something and writing my name on it. I feel like people always think that's cute for some reason. <laughs> you know, and then they me this like eight-ply, right. like gold foil thing. And I'm like, wow, this is this is one day. You have to learn or maybe have to is the wrong word. You learn a lot of really interesting processes. I mean, even like the materials that you use and the silver work with the trees. Tell me about that. Like, are these things that you just, are you kind of a handy person that just kind of knows how to do this? Or do you have to like dive deep into YouTube to figure out how not to kill yourself with these toxic chemicals and I assume like heavy duty equipment? It's definitely the latter. I'm on YouTube watching people and it's amazing what you can learn and the things that everybody's already done. Um, and I figure why reinvent the wheel? Someone's done it at some point. Um, and I think it started early on with trying to work with early photographic processes. Like I think one of the earliest pieces I made was like a salted paper print or like alternative process or what mm-hmm. they call alternative process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just buying a kit and then they tell you how to do it and all this other stuff. Um, and then, you know, you realize what you can do to make it your own. You know, for instance, I was just taking people's bodily fluids and using that as a salt content to produce some pictures. But, you know, later on, then it's like, oh, well, they did this. I can do this. And I think for me, it touches on like, you know, fundamentals of photography. They're just materials and things and someone did it. And there's always a way to go about doing it. And I, I like to tinker with things, you know, I like to try to figure out how mm-hmm. to it. Um, and so it's also kind of fun to figure it out. Um, and, and I think also too, like when I started making the working with silver, it was first from trying to figure out how to make daguerreotypes and daguerreotypes okay. require silver. So at that point I was melting um, silver coins, you know, those U S dollar silver coins, Yeah, make the silver nitrate to silver, to make the daguerreotypes. And so I was already learning about silver and I kind of understood silver has different properties to make blacks for silver gelatin prints for photography. So okay, silver, right. yeah, silver was fundamental to photography's development. So it kind of felt natural if I want to work with this thread of photography, okay, this is like a big chunk of photo history. Let's work with silver. Let's really do it. Let's see what silver is about. Yeah. So then I started to learn like, oh yeah, silver is the, would make mirrors out of it. Let's learn how the mirror making process of silver works. And you start to realize all these different applications of silver. They used to like 
drip silver nitrate in babies' eyes for weird things for whatever reasons. You know, so there's all these weird, you know, applications for these materials. And then sort of going that thread of silver led me into, okay, I can make daguerreotypes. I made some daguerreotypes. And then, okay, I can make mirrors. Let's see how mirrors work. And that's where I got into spraying the silver mirroring solution onto silver gelatin prints um, for the um, the the um, silver series, the forest pictures that you mentioned. Yeah. And um, so it was really just about collapsing that, you know, two different kinds of silver, the photographic silver of the mm -hmm. and then the silver mirroring material on top. And then just sort of seeing where that goes. And I also like the idea that a viewer can see themselves in the image and try. I, to, I love that. Oh, no, thanks. And trying to like broaden out this um, ideas of the, the rectangle on the wall, you know? Yeah. I love those pieces. I, um, how many, how often do you try a thing like that? And it just doesn't work. I mean, I kind of, I get the impression that you're like, oh, I'm just going to put this silver and this silver. And I'm like, oh, poof, there's a tree. And I mean, I try things and it never works. Like it, when I, um, so Megan Riepenhoff, who, you know, mm -hmm. and we just did that project together element. Um, she's from Atlanta. She came here. I was helping her what uh, we went to the Chattahoochee river and water was washing up on her paper and making all these amazing things. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to get a cyanotype kit and I'm going to do like weird combination, you know, like not the proper proportions and I'm going to do it on the, they all came out blue. They all came out the exact same blue, even though every one I like each paper, I'm like this, I'm going to coat this way. you know, and I was like, I can be a crazy art scientist too. Not true. Not true. It's uh, you could, if you like stayed at it more, you would eventually. Yeah. I was like one and done. I can make paper turn completely blue. Um, so how often do you try things and it's a failed experiment or is it more just like an iterative thing where you're like, okay, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's definitely the, the um, faith in the process that it's going to get closer. And when it doesn't, uh, there's always something else to work on. So that's some of the benefit of just having different things happening. Cause it's like, you know what, like this isn't working. Let's just like shelf it and then come mm -hmm. back later. Um, so there's a lot of process or projects that, um, that maybe I just have a bunch of stack of blue sheets of paper that I'm like, you know what, like, actually let's just try to throw some silver on these blue sheets. Of paper. <laughs> I'm glad I did that blue sheets of paper project, you know, right, maybe right. it turns into something else. So, you know, I definitely have a certain um, hoarders uh, practice that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like I keep a lot of tests and there's always, um, you know, early on, like early experiments, like still, I still keep around because those are like learning um, devices in a lot of ways too. How does humor play into your work? So, I mean, there are certain pieces like the fly paper and the peach pie albumin, like they seem a little tongue in cheek, but like, how do you figure out how far to push some of that so it doesn't become silly and it's still, you know, it's clever? Um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I think that I guess early on at some point I was trying to think about the structure of jokes and how they play into making kind of, I don't know, joke pictures, you know? Um, I think there's something really deep and important about 
uh, humor and comedians and how they can sort of reach certain truths in a way. And um, I think even at the time I was like reading Freud jokes in the relation to the unconscious and all this, trying to like think about humor and jokes as, as a way to reach something that's, you know, truthful or important. Um, And I think that, you know, there's a kind of delivery process of jokes and then there's, they get you with the thing, right? There's a certain, I don't know the exact structure. I'm not a comedian. I don't pretend to be or whatever, but there's a kind of delivery and then there's the, the punchline or whatever. Right. Um, and I think I noticed that some of my works were kind of structured like that in the sense that you would look at this thing on the wall and then you're like, okay, that's a cool picture. Wait, that's made out of dog shit. What the, f-? you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. There's a kind of, um, I, if you want to call it a punchline or there's a sort of layered effect or whatever you want to say there, I started to see a relation with jokes and the way that the work is made. Um, and for me, I, I try not to just make it like, okay, clever. It's funny. Um, or like, it's, I try not to make like, um, I don't deliberately try to make a one liner, whether it is or not, you know, but mm-hmm. I think that, I think jokes and their structure are something that I did think about and then do think about. Um, but I think maybe I've thought about it too much and digested. And now that's become like a part of my, I don't know, normal thing, you know, like, I don't even think it's funny anymore. I'm like, yeah, dog shit. Looks so funny about dog shit. Um, you know, like it's, it's a weird way we get in it so much, but, um, uh, I mean, I think the, I guess what, what happens too is there's just something unexpected is funny, right? There's the, the huh or the something that I think mm-hmm. um, makes it think that it uh, is a joke or it just, I mean, it's, it's funny. I love humor. I love trying to work with it. Um, and I think it's important to have humor in your life. Right. Like, I, right. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that there are some projects that make me take a more serious tone, you know, with like collecting like carbon from burned forests, for instance, you know, something I'm working on uh, versus, I don't know, something else, which is like, um, I don't know, something that's more funny. I, I think I'm just not, <laughs> but there's going to be something that's just weirder, you know? Um, right. Um, and I think that each project has its own personality. Um, like we talked about earlier, sometimes you're just in a bad mood, you know? And then that it's just a bad mood project or you're in a really <laughs> ecstasy project and that becomes its own. So I, I try to capture, I mean, not capture, but I try to work with, you know, as many plateaus and whatever frequencies as possible. And kind of like we have all these like modes in our life and everybody has certain emotions, try to translate that in different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so reaching different tones, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think, you know, the silver, I call it silver trees, but, you know, that's definitely was more of like a meditative type project where you were kind of looking deep into something and inside yourself versus maybe the fly paper or the dog shit. <laughs> I mean, maybe you were looking a different way, but I'm just saying. The title of this podcast, you'd be like, Matt dog shit. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think I warned you that I am going to ask you questions about what you think was the best decision you've made in your career and what was maybe a decision that you thought was not so great or like a wrong turn at the time and but you learned things from it. Um, so if you, you know, thinking back and I feel like I 
I have hypotheses of what these could be, but what do you think was the best career decision you've made or the best decision you've made that has impacted your career? Maybe early on, um, like in like in high school, uh, I wasn't really, I, I, I sort of put all my, I was pretty good at like drawing and painting and not really good at anything else. Um, I mean, except for trying to skateboard or whatever, but <laughs> like, I think I'm glad that I put all my chips into sort of being able to just pursue like making things, you know, like drawing and painting and eventually going to art school and all that stuff. Because, um, you know, I was pretty much like a, like a C average student. I was not good at anything else and just loved painting and drawing. And I just sort of went all in and just did that a lot. Um, and then eventually just uh, went to school in New York. And I think that was a good decision um, because I, I got into the school, which is like free tuition, which was amazing. My parents were like, great, go there. Um, <laughs> and then, so I think just doing that and really pursuing art, like, just like, let's just try this, even though I, I didn't know that you can have a, like actually a career in making art, you know, I didn't know, about, but it was like, I really love doing this. Let's just go for it. Um, and I think that was a good decision, um, for me. And also just to live in New York, I think as like a, you know, as an 18 year old, I think you learn really quick, like, you know, you have to find an apartment and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> I think it's important to get ripped off buying hash in Washington <laughs> because it's like, you learn so much really quick living in New York. You're like, okay. And then you get like street smarts. Um, I mean, even though I like grew up in LA, there's a lot of stuff happens, but New York is just like its own little like yeah. thing that you, you, yeah, you, you grow up pretty fast and you experience a lot of stuff in such a tight little moment in time. And, and I think in those years too, as like an 18, 20 year old, you're just sort of like a sponge um, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff and seeing what you can get away with too. And I think all that stuff um, has made me who I am in a lot of ways. Um, but also even moving back to LA from New York, I think was a really good decision because I think I, was getting a little bit maybe, I don't know if burnt out or whatever, but you know, I was like missing home and li I lived in New York for like six years or something and then moved back. And uh, I went to grad school at UCLA and moved back home with my parents and lived there and like full fridge of food was amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that was nice too, not having to worry about like making money to eat and stuff and to, to focus back on making art in grad school. And that familiarity of being home, um, I think also grounds you pretty well. Like, I think they call it like a boomerang generation thing. Like kids mm. even come back. I think that's like a, that's what I am, whatever. But, uh, and I think that there was something that was important um, in having that familiarity and feeling comfortable with, you know, making things or just, you know, I could be who I am. Like in New York, I felt like I was always, you know, trying to be a New Yorker when yeah. in reality I was like never really a New Yorker, you know, but like just trying to like stay on the treadmill in a lot of right, ways. Right, right. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know if that answers good decision. No, that does. Do you want to hear what my hypothesis was? Yeah, please, please. It was not, it was similar, but for a different reason. So I had read um, along the way preparing for this that you, so your undergrad, so you're from LA but you went to New York for your undergrad and that you're like education wise, you really, the, 
degree and, you know, the people that you studied with, it was really anchored in a lot of like the history of photography and process. And then when you went to grad school back in California, it was much more like conceptual wide open. And so I was thinking that that was the best decision, kind of having these two, two strong art education as a base, but then being kind of diametrically opposed. But at the same time, like that's what you, what your art making is about. It's these like very conceptual things, but it's very much rooted in the materiality and the process. No, definitely. Yeah. I would say that that's, that's like better said than what I said. <laughs> let's just dub in what you said and we'll over what you, yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, exactly. That's really true. That's something I didn't, um, like really consciously think of at the time. Um, you know, I, yeah, I did study with sort of some heavy conceptualists. And I thought at one point I thought like, okay, I'm, I'm a photographer. I make images, but I'm adding to the heap. I'm, you know what I mean? Like you feeling yeah. deep responsibility of just, or the burden of making pictures is like, oh, this has to be really good if I'm going to put it out there, you know, but now, yeah. and then at some point too, you're just like, and in, in West coast in LA, it's a little more like, fuck it, you know, like, let's just play around a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. more and I think you're right. Having that, that, um, that dialogue between the two, um, ends, I think is, is a lot of how I work too. Mm-hmm. In terms of there's always the conceptual crutch, or at least I try to have that responsibility, um, in setting these parameters. And then, um, once that's done, you can see where, where it goes. Right. Cool. Yeah. What um can you talk about a wrong turn you feel like you made and what you learned from it? Uh wrong turn. I don't know, it's tough to say wrong turn. Um I mean I know it's cheesy to say that like everything is like leads you to work. Well, it happens for right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean I, I don't know if there's necessarily any like really distinct bad decision that I made that I can think of. Um in terms of career wise, I think I, I sort of wish that I was um, maybe a little bit more accepting and comfortable with myself early on. Mm-hmm. And when I say myself in terms of just like knowing that I have like, it's okay to be who I am and work a certain way. And mm-hmm. I think early on when you work, you're just sort of like anxious and you're trying to fit a certain model of what you should be or whatever. Um, as I get older, I just, I'm like, this is who I am. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like I have to just embrace who I am. And I think I wish I learned that earlier because then I think I would be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I think we all feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just, maybe that's not a good answer too. Cause that's like, no, it's a great answer. I mean, it's super relatable. I think for anyone in any career or just life. Yeah, yeah, that like that song, right? I wish I knew what I know now when I yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, more or less, yeah, just play that track over <laughs> Got a lot of audio editing <laughs> yeah, on this one. Um, what would you say is your barometer for success in photography or in the art world? And like, do you feel like you're there? Like you've um you're satisfied with what you've achieved or you still have a lot more that you need or want to do to get to a place where you're like, okay, this is, 
I made it. You know, I did what I set out to do. Well, for me, it's hard to say what what made it for me. I do feel like I would like to do more interesting projects. And for me, it's always interesting, like, to what's next? What's like, you know, um, you know, there's certain shows that are that I'm working on. Like I'm doing a show in in St. Petersburg, Russia. I'm working with birch trees. And that's like really exciting because it's like, okay, I get to work with birch trees. I was photo mm-hmm. birch forests. And that came because like, okay, that exhibition, it was an invitation. Okay, I'll do it. And I feel like if it'd be nice to do another show at another institution or, you know, or, or for instance, like also next year, I'm doing a show in, in a cemetery, Forest Lawn Museum, and mm-hmm. it's sort of death and photography is uh. interesting. So I think it's the step stepladder process in terms of like, I would just like to do more and more projects and see what comes of it. Um, in terms of like a, like a self self-esteem satisfaction thing that you talk about. I mean, I guess I'd be fine if like I died tomorrow, you know, it'd be fine, whatever. Um, but it'd be nice if I could get more done, you know, mm-hmm. after that. I mean, I, I would like to um, do more projects. Um, and it's, of course, it'd be nice to like do a Guggenheim show or whatever, but like, I'm not anticipating that ever happening either. Like, <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever happens, happens. And, and, um, I, I feel content at the time too. Um, yeah, no, that's really, I mean, it's important, I think, to, I think that a lot of people, myself included, you accomplish a thing that was maybe a goal and then you, like, as you see it coming into sight, you move the goalposts farther. So you're not like celebrating your successes or being content along the way. You're just like, oh, well, if I could do that, then I could do this. And, um, and I think it's, you know, it's been interesting talking to different artists and asking this question, but it's like, you know, how do you, where it's a tightrope of being like proud of yourself and satisfied that you've been able to do what you've done while still being motivated and, um, you know, and energized and inspired to continue to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's hard. It's yeah, it's really your, your, your own critic in a lot of ways too. You have to gauge what's when it's done or when it's not. Um, but, and I just figure too, it's like, if, if I can't do it anymore or whatever, that's, that's okay. I mean, I'll just pick up gardening or something or <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's, it is metal work. Yeah. Metal work. I've been welding. Chemistry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You've gotten a lot of skills. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it. it's the fun part too. It's like tinkering in the studio. It's like I like getting like a, tools and you know certain projects require certain things, and then I become you know uh, master of none kind of thing. You know, where it's like <laughs> I sort of can do all this stuff, and and that's and I like thinking of I can do things good enough too, because sometimes good enough is great in some fields. You know, <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not actually welding something to like a pipe that needs to be sealed forever. Yeah, I, I've done my own plumbing, which is <laughs> automatic, but yeah, it's, it's been fine for the past six months. You know? <laughs> duct, tape, right? duct, tape, duct tape is good for everything. I think. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. That's what they say on YouTube. Yeah, but you that's how you learn, you know? The first pipe is duct taped, and then the next one you make, maybe you'll use actual solder or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I feel like that sometimes these 
you know, like bad decisions there are just like learning opportunities kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's all my questions. Oh, that's all your questions. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, do you have, we can keep talking there. Is there more? Um, what is, what's a project you're most excited about right now? Like on um, the horizon? Uh, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one of them is, I, you know, I think I mentioned this Forest Lawn Museum show that's going to come up next year. And yeah, the cemetery one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, is, Do you only work on that on your bad mood days? Yeah, exactly. That's my, like, I got to, like, <laughs> eyeliner and all that stuff. <laughs> in the mode, you know? Um, but uh, um, during, well, I think we talked about doing the show, like, last year or whatever. It was supposed to be 2020. And then obviously it closed during COVID. But during COVID in March, they have this David, um, Marble David replica sculpture that fell and broke. And it was like just when, you know, the the city was shutting down and all this and this sort of idea of this Goliath and David falling. It was like right. beautiful. And I think someone just sent me a link of like, oh, did you hear this? You know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a show there. And then I talked to the director. So I, I've, um, was able to get some pieces of David. Uh, oh, wow. Photograph David, like all the broken pieces and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So I was able to ground down the um, marble and I'm using that as a pigment to print these pictures of these broken David sculptures. Wow. Like, and also like my dad's name is David. So this whole yeah. Oedipal weirdness thing happening. Yeah. You know, but, um, but anyways, it's kind of an interesting project that's currently being done. Um, and I'm trying to print them on roofing paper um, which I'm talking to um, the conservationists that I work with that seeing if that's okay, but it seems like it's okay. Um, Why roofing paper? Oh, I mean, I like the idea of working with this construction material. Mm -hmm. If a roof like is like a shelter that holds, you know, there's kind of implications um, in the material and also it's black. So mm -hmm. marble will look good on the black. Right. There's a lot of like technical and like, I guess you can say like conceptual like ties that I think why mm -hmm. and also there's some really funny not funny but they they print like the logo on the roofing paper and it says like made in USA and all this weird stuff on it that ends up looking like kind of interesting Roman symbols or whatever uh -huh. it, 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 like peers through anyway sorry I don't have images but um there's a lot of weird things happening that I think is like all the pieces are coming together in that project yeah. in an interesting way. And and I like when that happens is that like, you know, at first I just had all these broken David pieces and took photos and I didn't really know what to do, but, you know, and, and for a while I was trying to make um, what they call resinotypes, um, which is a archaic photographic process that actually um, Jim Welling told me about. Um, I did like a, what do you call it? A zoom class visit during COVID and, you know, me and him, we always end up just talking about archaic photo processes. <laughs> and and he was telling me about this resinotype process, which they used to um, use people's ashes as the pigment for making memorabilia pictures of people. Uh, so it was like making pictures out of people's ashes. And I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I know about this already? Um, so then I started playing around with that with the marble. Um, but it's just it's not worth it. It's too hard. I did all these tests and it's like you have to like like sensitize the gelatin, keep it in like 102.7 degrees, oh you know, and it's like, I've done so many tests and it's like, you know, it's not worth the, the amount of work. So I end up like 
doing a, you know, a, an updated version of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a little bit more, um, makes for more interesting pictures. But, mm-hmm. you know, but so there's all these different routes. So I have like a stack of, like you have your stack of blue papers. I have my stack of resinotype prints of bad David pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe one day they'll end up somewhere else. Um, right. And another project, actually right here, you can kind of see, I, it's funny, I just have this on my desk. But you can see this thing right here. Yeah. This is actually algae growth on water paper, watercolor paper. No. Yeah, this is just a certain kind of algae. Um, so I've been working. Is that archival? Does it like grow more? Oh. How do you get it to grow only in the... Well, that's why, because you have a negative. Oh. It grows where there's lights, like a lot of plants, so photosynthesis. Yeah. So I have a negative, and I've been working with this um, marine biologist, Brian Palinick at UC San Diego. And mm-hmm. actually, I just recently sent him a whole batch of negatives, and we've been working on some pictures, um, a portraiture project, and he's been helping me grow algae pictures because he told me how to do it, and I've set up a whole, you know, um, clean area in my studio which is very rare because my studio is a mess but uh-huh. one area that's supposed to be like the clean area right because you have to like um kill all the germs and all this stuff it has to be very sciencey official uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> um, but i can't get it clean enough i always just grow black mold and like, <laughs> years of grow- like several months of growing black mold i think brian palinick was like just give me the negatives i'll do it we're just <laughs> You're embarrassing me, you know? That was You're disgusting. My, yeah, I was putting him on my test, and he's like, you know what? It could be this. It could be that. And, like, going through all the stuff. Th- and I, like, bought all this equipment, all this stuff to, like, try to make these algae pictures. Because, you know, mixing agar solutions and, like, the main thing is just um, disinfecting everything. So mm-hmm. he has this giant machine, which, like, kills all the germs. But I'm, he's like, you could do it in a microwave, theoretically. So I'm like... Oh my God. <laughs> so it's like it's not the same so he's been helping me and you know I, he's been really great on trying to um make these interesting pictures um which is another thing that i've been working on or not me i feel like he's doing most of the the work but and this is kind of the first time that i'm like kind of sending it out to him mm-hmm. um, and i feel bad because he's like gets his stack of negatives and he's like oh the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I've got actual science to do. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm trying to like save and like world, and there's actually this guy who just wants to doodle, you know. Um, but no, it's really interesting. And he was telling me there's like different algaes grow different colors. So there's some that are red, some oh, red, wow. greenish. So there's all these different. And he, you know, sends me and gives me the Latin names on the tubes, and I'm like, this is the red one. <laughs> um. But yeah, so there's a lot of, that's one thing that, I mean, that's been on the shelf for, I mean, years when we first started working there, when I went out there and we started working on that. And finally it's becoming, you know, uh, you know, there's more things that are happening, but you never know, maybe it'll, that'll fall off for another while. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I want my face in algae. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm making one. I gotta tell you, it takes like a month to make, but I'll I'll, I'll just send him another batch, and he'll be like, oh, I should never agree to help this guy out, right? <laughs> no, but he's been super sweet, and really, it's like very much a collaboration because I wouldn't know how to do any of this stuff if he wasn't 
explaining it to me. And then, you know, I think originally he just saw my work uh, and I, he sent me an email and said, Hey, I know you're doing work with like lake water and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think interesting, interested to see some of this algae material that um, I've been working with. And he was originally just asking me about the colors. Like mm-hmm. if you can make a color photograph from this. And that was just way too hard. You know, you can't, you know, it'd be you. Right. Cause you would have to have like certain algae in certain places. Yeah. And plus, at work. the end of the day, it all ends up being kind of brownish. Right. Like, right. I think in, you know, I don't know necessarily the archival nature. I mean, in theory, the algae dies on the paper, so it's more like stains, but mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to keep an intense green or an intense red. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I learned that the hard way in the beginning. One of the earliest photo processes I was doing was gum bicromate, mm-hmm. and I was trying to make color pictures. And, you know, you have red, blue, green. Mm-hmm. So the, the red was blood, the blue was blueberries, and the green was like ground up grass I was making. Mm-hmm. for the first five minutes i was like oh this looks great you know and then like a week later i'm like hey, this is just like a sepia tone photo you know it's just like rot yeah exactly yeah um but you i guess you learn quick what, what, <laughs> what but sometimes that's interesting too you know i've done some um pictures of materials that just shift colors you know i've gotten some some feedback from um like an art advisor who sent me a picture of bubble gum that was like a bright, like, I think it was a bright cyan. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it was a bright purple. And then they sent me an image of it currently. And then it was a bright cyan. So it just completely shifted colors. Oh, wow. Which, you know, I don't know because it's like. It went from like grape to blue raspberry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The flavor wow. tasted like that too. No, wow. <laughs> it's like we did a taste test. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, we thought it would be cool to, I, like, one point we were joking with the frame, we said, like, drill holes in some of the pieces so you can smell, you know, mm-hmm. print with, like, Laffy Taffy or whatever, and it smells great, you know. But then I guess the ant thing might be problematic. We're just yeah. a ant farm project, which is <laughs> fun for any collector in their home little kitchen piece. You know? Yeah, yeah. I can't say I would want a black mold piece <laughs> you sure because i already sent it to you <laughs> but even now for instance i'm doing that show in um russia i'm working with ceiling tiles you know that like kind of ceiling tile material that's supposed to absorb really mm-hmm. ugly yeah yeah so i've been printing with that um printing coffee and ammonium phosphate crystals so i was trying to make these ceiling stains and actually it's going to be a giant piece that's shown on the ceilings Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so it would be cool. But, you know, in the process of growing crystals um, and coffee and all this stuff, and it sits in – and growing crystals, it, it has to grow with heat because once the slower the process of the evaporation, the bigger the crystals. So okay. they being in these chambers for, like, weeks before I open them up, and they, like, stink. They Ammonium phosphate and the and – the, I think it's calcium that is in the, um, the board mm-hmm. make – um, makes sulfur, which <laughs> is fart smells. It, yeah. Fart smells for the longest. It's like we're making farts <laughs> in the studio, and then it ends up looking like mold. And I'm like, I'm looking at mold stains for inspiration for how I want the pieces to look. Because mm-hmm. I kind of want it to look like when you walk in the room, you're like, oh man, this place is huge water damage. You know, right? It ends up being like an image of these caves that I've been photographing. Oh, wow. Um, 
So yeah, stains are, could be good too. Gosh, there's just, yeah, I don't think you're going to run out of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But it could be just all mediocre stuff. You know, if I just focus, it could be good. And then, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You're making fart tiles though. That's not mediocre. That's exceptional. I'm going to approach Home Depot and see if they'll (laughs) design your line. Right. (laughs) Maybe Target go for it. (laughs) (laughs) This was so awesome. Thank you for doing this today. No, thank you for having me. I mean, this is the first time I've done this like podcast thing. It's, it's, it's fun. You were you're natural. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna get a microphone <laughs> just like you got that cool. Yeah, that's the only reason I do it for the <laughs> headphones and the microphone. Just you know, it looks legit. I like the look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I mean, congrats. I think this is great. I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you for all this stuff, and you're so cool. And like, you're you, so cool. We've been working together for a long time. I know. Yeah. I know. Thank you for listening to the Perfect Bound podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will tune in next time. We release new episodes every two weeks on Thursday and you can listen to past episodes on the Yaffe Press website, yaffepress.com slash podcast or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else where you regularly listen to these types of programs. Thank you again and we will see you next time. I'm doing good. We just did um, like a little six month photography session with our our baby Lux and a friend of ours, Jody. Yeah. Um, It's kind of funny to have like these traditional like photos. We might as you know what I mean? Like it's in our backyard and stuff. It's like I feel like it's like a genre of photography that I'm like taking so far from I feel like it was like photos almost, you know, like I want to like make fun of the whole thing but it's like oh no no all right act normal smile (laughs) you're like are you going to be dunking these photos in polluted water after yeah 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 yeah. which is (laughs) because actually i have some baby photos um that i bought from the uh from the you know like when you i don't know if you had this but the photographer comes after you're traumatized having a baby like a couple hours later and like oh you want me to take photos of you and your baby and it's like we, no but oh you know i'm like it could be interesting you know so right, right. <laughs> I like bought them and i want to print them with um i've been doing these pictures with with my puppies at least like printing them with their dog shit so i kind of want to do like totally i've had on my list of questions like what like babies produce a lot of things uh-huh. that you could use as a possible um yeah. chemical you know ingredient like spit yeah. up and poo there's and... a lot of spit up to work uh-huh. with. But, you know, <laughs> i really love like early baby poop she's starting to eat solids now a little oh bit. yeah now it's so, just like shit yeah in the beginning it's like doesn't really smell that bad it looks like a pumpkin soup you know <laughs> kind of like not revolting about it you know and then now it's like starting to get a little, oh yeah, it's not cute anymore. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like a it's like a person. Yeah, it smells yeah, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, 